Let me tell you. And we are back with the newly named Mentally Hungover podcast with Anna and Nick. Your voice immediately went into Delilah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're live hey. with Delilah. Like, Delilah. You totally went into like the smoothest, like, weirdness. Smooth I jazz. appreciate that, Nick. Smooth we jazz. 104.3. jazz. FM. Anyway. All right. So as we were we were discussing a few minutes ago of what we're going to talk about, we, uh, the topic of alcohol was brought up. But we don't. I mean, we don't. This is unconfirmed. But I hope Jimmy Buffett's uh, somewhere. How getting getting that? Rest in peace. Everyone have a margarita tonight. And Everybody have a cheeseburger in paradise. A cheeseburger in paradise. Fins fins up, kids. Um, okay, so can I tell you, recapping what we talked about last week, kind of came in with a why, and I got some, we got some feedback. Um, oh my God, how about, I, it's really good that our podcast is made mentally hungover because I have an excuse to like, if I mess something up and be like, well, I, I know why I'm mentally hungover. Remember that time that I uploaded our entire podcast to like seven different channels and it was only your audio? <laughs> All for new podcast name, all Nick, all the time. Sounding like a psychopath, <laughs> just talking to I himself. Went to go, I went to go load it, and I listened to it, and I was like, "Okay, Nick's there. That's great." And then Apple Apple Podcasts can take a day or so. So I went to check it the next day, and I listened to it. I'm like, "Okay, Nick sounds awesome." I'm like, "I wonder if my audio is okay too." I fast forward dead silence, and I was like, "Oh my god, what did I do?" And then all of a sudden, you come back in, and I'm like. Oh, good. Anna just uploaded a conversation of Nick talking to her, talking to himself. Well, mentally hungover is about right. And it's not like it's that far in. Your voice comes in at second six. Listen, my voice comes in every second. Let's get real. <laughs> but not, for, yeah, not in the tester uh, episode. Uh, yeah, it is updated. It is fresh. We're, I'm going to wait till we get the second episode out there to really push it out there. Um, but some oh, oh, and we'd like to we thank our, we'd like to thank our sponsors tonight, the Anna and Nick Foundation. It's your go-to foundation for Anna and Nick. <laughs> Anna and Nick helping 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 other people. Anna and Nick yeah. <laughs> trying to survive. Contributions um, are skewed. That, the feedback that we got uh, from uh, one of the listeners was that I'm a little too positive. Oh. <laughs> That was, and and at first I was like, oh, well, thank you. Like, these people haven't met me. (laughs) That is something that I talk about on Coffee with Anna all the time is I don't want to be false positive. I don't want to be the mom boss cancel culture or not, or mom boss culture of just keep going and you can do everything. It's like, no, I shouldn't have to do everything. Right. Well, it's, uh, yeah. it's interesting. It's interesting you say that. People say I'm you're positive, right? But that is, uh, I think you use this term, right? The masks, dark humor, uh, making a joke, mm-hmm. making light of a situation that is very serious, oftentimes. And we were, I mean, we did this a lot in the military. Uh, we would make jokes out of our friends dying. So yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's a serious situation, unless. I, so. It's all a serious situation, but yes, I think that I talk about masks all the time because I didn't know how many I wore, and apparently it is very common for people when they find out about ADHD and, or autism or whatever it is, 
you start to be more comfortable with things that you weren't comfortable with your whole life and you start to drop them or things become more traumatic or harder and you start chucking them on. So like masks are really interesting in the fact of like what the person we put in front of people, like I always talk about on Coffee with Anna that I don't want to be one of those Instagram moms that's putting out a false narrative of everything's, you know, puppies and rainbows. Like I, her, her, her response was, if somebody that's watching you is going through a hard time, you can put on that mask of talking about it in a, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. We have a trauma bonded relationship. But how I can talk about things in hindsight that were once hard for me in, in the present. We are like, when I first realized those things and it's like, oh shit, like I didn't know, like fuck. And then there's emotions and all those things. Once I truly process things, and this is just masks or dark humor in general, I I, get, I would beg to, beg to say that all comedians are ADHD at least or neurodivergent because being able to take something that is traumatic or dark or like, oh, and walk that line and be able to curate it into a joke. Like that is where a lot of comedians find their humor or that like niche market. I think it's something that a lot of people like you and I have done for trauma. Or when I talk about it now, it's like, yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> you know, I don't, I know how to order a drink, right? Like, so when we go out, I, I'm I'm in this like I want to prove to myself that I'm not being false to myself and that I truly don't need to wear that mask or have the habit of like okay I'm uncomfortable I'm gonna have a shot or like there's a lot of people or insert whatever reasons that I would use before to have a shot that weren't just for social reasons so now when I go out it's like I kind of miss the social part like I want to have a little half a shot with my friends or like I'll try I, I wanted to try to have a vodka and sprint. So I was drinking a Sprite and I'm like, oh, all my friends are here from high school. Might have a little cocktail. So I said to my friend Clint, I'm like, I'm going to go and order. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to go put a, have her put a little vodka in my drink. So I walk up to the bar. There's nobody there. It's a makeshift bar that I actually gave to a friend of mine to use for like as a birthday present. And he had this big bar set up and that there's no pressure. It's not an actual bar. The music's not loud. I walk up and my mind goes, she's like, how can I help you? My mind goes blank. And I was like, can I have some captain? And, and she's like, okay. Or like, where? I'm like, you can just put it in my drink. So you she just, goes. You just fill she, this up, please. Can you just. So my drink was like here. She fills up with a lot. But I mean, and I'm hanging out with my friends who are drinkers. So like she fills up the rest with captain. And I was like, okay, that's brown. Can I have a straw? <laughs> she gives me a straw. And I literally look at it. And I'm like, oh my God. So we walk over by Clint and he goes, well, that's not vodka. And I was like, I totally drink order panicked. Like I forgot how to do it. Like <laughs> ordering a vodka, vodka water, vodka sprite, vodka anything, or or Captain anything has never been a difficult thing for me to do. So I was like, I totally panicked. Like I, it was, it's very different than how it was before, right? I knew what I wanted to drink, and we were drinking. And now it's like I have a drink with my friends and have that social aspect and not feel weird about it. But I also want to prove to myself that I don't need it to be comfortable in situations. And that's hard to do because I have to be very, very self-aware and very, very self-reflective of why and what I'm doing. And I've never learned that tool very well when I was younger. Well, I mean, well, when you're younger, uh, and uh, check me if I'm wrong here, you grew up, grew up in the service industry. 
way more I than I did. I just, yeah. I just happened into the service industry <laughs> at 20 on St. Yeah. Patrick's Day. And that led, <laughs> I mean, uh, into a life I never, well, could have conceptualized living on a farm and then working at a bowling alley. And then all of a sudden I'm getting yelled at about Bacardi O and I don't even know what Bacardi O is. So uh, first night ever was bar backing at St. Patrick's Day. And that led to, I mean, getting uh, alcohol to such a point. I got uh, so messed up one night I joined the army. Uh, a lot more to that story. but <laughs> Who uh, hasn't? Who hasn't, right? And uh, that brought me into the most, I mean, I don't know if you know this. Uh, joining the army is like getting into an abusive relationship. Uh, so was being a bartender. So was being a bartender. Uh, it's the best job I ever had. And then, but you just, that's a drinking culture, unlike anything that was behind the bar. Drinking culture is a very, very interesting thing to dive into now that I'm not fully ingrained in it. Like, whew, I think I started the, I like, I literally am nervous that I started a drinking culture with my, like, I was not only in a participant, I was the a ringleader for a long time. You had said, you know, I grew up in the bar industry. So my parents didn't, when growing up my whole life, my parents didn't drink. My parents weren't big socializers. They had four kids, two of them. Well, at least one of them neurodivergent, if not two. Um, and just, it was, it being a parent's hard, right? So socially, I didn't learn how to have one drink at, like after work. I didn't learn to drink. I didn't think drinking at home to me is weird. Like, I grew up in a dry house, you know, went to Catholic school and just had that experience. My larger, very, very large family, uh, all of my uncles, there was a lot of them, had bought a bar in the 70s that uh, is very popular around our area. And when I turned- World, world eight, famous, world famous. World, it's a world famous bar. World famous local <laughs> so, bar. Oh, so when I turned 18, it was like, yep, I'm going to go bartend and worked outside- all summer for family. And it was back in the nineties. So it was very much like, which okay, was how, 30 years, 30, 30, 40, you shut 40, your mouth. 30. Yeah. Okay. It, it was, so, and you had to take a, uh, a boat to get there. So it was, if you're a minute late, you were an hour late and everybody knew, and you had an uncle yelling at you. Right. Mm. And it was, you get there at, at 10, 11 or 12 on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you work until close. It was over 40 hours a week in the matter of three and a half days. It was long, hot, drunk. Like our people were drunk, like we were working. Yeah. I started that at 18 and then went from waitressing there, bartending, being, being a bartender when we met. You jump in in St. Patrick's Day, becoming an owner of the bar, buy, you know, getting into the new bar, we, old Dublin's, new Dublin's. And being in that bartender lifestyle until I was almost third, I was um, what two months before thirty before the bar burned down. So it was like I spent a lot, a lot, a lot of years time, not just socially but also career wise, learning how to cultivate that culture and make money off of it. And it gave me a lot of excuses of why it was okay. Well, also you were big yelled at to drink that shot, take that beer. Uh, if somebody buys you a drink, you're going to drink it. Yes, but I was also I, the one encouraging them to buy encouraging, me. One. Oh, encouraging. Oh, you're doing Jameson. You buying me one? You oh. buying me one? That was that was something I tell I tell you know service stories to people. 
And you go, yeah, I was, you know, I worked at a bar where you were required to drink the shot if somebody bought you one. There was no, oh, we don't drink during our shift. There was, uh, if you're not blacked out when you, when you count the register, then did you even count the register? But that's the whole thing is like that on paper might be it, but I was, and think about it. I was the main bartender and I worked. I had such a high functional tolerance that at the end of the night, I could count down the register and it'd be yeah. right. It was after three o'clock in the morning after we closed the bar and then went to the house or the apartment or wherever we were at or Las Vegas restaurant at six o'clock in the morning because we stayed and cleaned the bar till five. Five. And yeah. then go like singing songs I mean, and carrying on. I carrying on, right? I was probably all the freaking Red Bull we drank in the night in the two early in the 2000s. Well, that was a, um, the. A tolerance, right? A tolerance to pain. You know, of we, 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 if you conceptualize the things you put up with now and you, you can put up with everything because it only gets so much and it, it'll build up and build up and you can put up with more and put up with more. Well, that's what we did to our, our bodies, uh, with the stress of the crowd, with the stress of the bar, with the amount of alcohol, with the amount of sugar mixed with that alcohol, which is, I don't know if you ever if you ever get the chance, uh, Bacardi. Oh, uh, th- there'll be a lawsuit in twenty years. Or actually, commercial. Did you drink Bacardi O at Dublin O'Shea's? You might be entitled to financial compensation. Dublin so, O'Shea's, the number one purveyor of Bacardi the number one purveyor O bombs for three four years. O bombs. There's probably some executive at Bacardi that's got our logo up on the wall. Got that picture of my face. Yeah, drink hey, is dry in Dublin. Shutting down bars since before COVID. But that's it, it's it's a, you would you could you would work your shift and you would put up with so much stress and so much alcohol and then you would do it some more and then Sunday would roll around and you wouldn't be able to move and I think that yes. that goes and, into our how, what we put up with to, now. So think about that. We did Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Pushed it right. I had a drawer full of money and it was awesome. Yeah. But that Sunday, the one thing, the one biggest thing that I learned from you guys, you and Bull, and the the friendship that we had, the living together, is that on Sundays, Sunday was self care. I am fucking tired and I'm beat. We're gonna go for crab legs. We're gonna watch a movie, and then everybody's going to bed. Everybody, like I would go and lay in my bed and watch True Blood. Bull would watch whatever he's watching, and we would take care of ourselves on Sunday and not schedule, try to not schedule big things and all that stuff. I'm. I'm grateful that we at least did that little bit of much because not only did we grow our alcohol tolerance level, which would be interesting to share all those stories of like, talk about taking traumatic things and making them into the quip joke. Like I discussed myself in the stories that I can tell. But not only did we increase our alcohol intake of what we could withstand and not be blacked out by the end of the night, but we also increased the amount of trauma we could withstand and normalized it. So when we were super traumatized by shit, we didn't know because we were, it was such a slow burn, right? Like you, you had said before, like that uh, slow burn of descent of depression. Is it good to just crash and the bottom falls out? Because that slow descent is just like your tolerance increase, level increasing for depression or your tolerance uh, level increases for the amount of craziness in your life where it then becomes normal. And you think that that's how life's supposed to be. I mean, I could tell. Tell a whole story on both of those, a slow descent into hell or a rapid descent into hell. And I can tell you that the rapid descent is much healthier for you because getting to the bottom is 
is much better for you faster than getting used to a new, what was the term Hell. during COVID? The new normal, the new normal, right? The new normal is slightly worse In than unprecedented times. Unprecedented times where you're wearing, uh, I got a mask and a, and a, and a couple shots and, and then you're on the couch doing some more shots. But so, yeah, I, I mean, that's a whole different, different story. But yeah, the tolerance of what you can put up to. But al- alcohol is something else. It's like a pause button on, on real life. It's, um, we, we, we live our lives and go to our jobs and do our daily tasks. And, you know, we can, we can look for that treat at the end of the day to push, push pause on the day. And really all you're doing is just rewinding. Uh, and you're just taking that tiredness and just moving it to the morning. You're, you're putting it. a pin in it. I, t- I say it all the time. Yeah. That is not solved. That is pinned. That is something you're going to have to deal with a different day. Also masking. People put on masks because they don't know how to deal with what it is and they hit a stop. I don't know how to feel okay about this. So I'm going to put on a mask and pretend like I'm all right. And then you don't fix it with a mask. You literally have to address it later when, oh my God, look at that. Get on here. You, you know, you have to address that when, when the, when the fall, when the bottom falls out. The bottom falling out quickly as opposed to a slow burn is definitely my preferred way to crash. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it may, might not be best for your uh, family and friends, but at least at least it's over sooner. I, that's just my, you know, you get to the same point, but uh, I, I feel like that's how I was able to, or I'm currently able to pull out of my current uh, free fall after my friend passed away, was uh, mm-hmm. I just went off the deep end and... Uh, got so bad so fast that I, well, that's, that's untenable. Great word, untenable. Uh, the definition? It won't work. It's not going to work. It's untenable. A, untenable. Oh my God. Look untenable at situation. Uh, so. Nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here, folks. I think those are all topics that we, we need to get into. Like, I think the underlying theme, alcohol, but. Back to what we circle back. What we started with uh, feedback. What was another point of feedback that we can we can uh, dissect and get back into talking about alcohol and depression? Keep it light. We want to keep it light. So, what did we get from our tens of listeners? Um, the another uh, response that I get was from somebody that watches Coffee with Anne. She used to listen to the podcast that Alec and I did a couple of years ago. And she had, she's been telling me, like, you gotta do another podcast, you gotta do another podcast. And I kept saying, I'm like, I don't know if I can do more of that light and airy, topically humorous podcast. I wanted it to be more focused, right? That's when you and I started talking about it. So I reached out to her and she watched coffee and I was like, hey, is there any chance you want to take a listen to this? Like, just to see if it's crap or whatever. Her response was awesome. She said that you and I have a good dynamic, that it's a good add on to what I talk about with coffee with Anna. And then also the amount of people that we can touch. Like I can talk to people, I can talk to parents, I, or I can talk to moms, I can talk to near, near to virgin, I can talk to, I can talk to a lot of different people and you can talk to a lot of different people. There, you Like just you with the military background and the male aspect have an entire different, entire different demographic that you can, uh, reach and I with the with the community that I've already started to build she was very excited about the possibility of us being able to help more bigger than what 
either one of us have ever been able to do. So uh, I think that that was great positive feedback. But no, that's good. Obviously, we know that we have different backgrounds, both from Antioch, and that's probably where it ends. Uh, that's all we have in common. All we have in common. I'm from unincorporated Antioch. You're from incorporated Antioch. Exactly common, different sides of the railroad tracks. I didn't even know what railroad tracks were as a child. Very sad. <laughs> so. Go that far. Um, well, I, no, you couldn't. I never got, you, I couldn't go that far. There was. I couldn't even see the tracks. I was couldn't in such even a see the tracks. I think that the feedback has been really helpful at boosting the cats' egos, the ones that we're going to have as guests for the Listen. entire until, until they're adopted. Listen, today's, today's episode is brought to you by Rescue Outreach. Right, well, let's just go. So we spoke about, we spoke about responsibility in our first little test episode, who mm-hmm. or what and why do you feel responsible enough to, to go take time out of your day to make a recording, to post it, to edit it, to, to put it out there for people to hear, scrutinize, take what they want, take, uh, take their own meaning from it. What makes you feel responsible for those people and why? Well, uh, I'm really hard on myself and for, and take responsibility for everybody around me, which I'm learning how to not do. But the person that I have the most responsibility, I think, to is Grayson uh, and myself, right? I do it for kids like Grayson, who is like me under a microscope, and he's diagnosably a little bit squeakier than I was. And if I felt so uncomfortable in the world being just a little bit squeaky, and he is diagnosably squeakier... I feel the pressure to change the world as fast as possible so he doesn't have to feel the way I did growing not just growing up as a child, but also in my 20s and my 30s. Like I want to make him more comfortable in the world. And that is not only just working with him, but it's also teaching other people and talking about what my experiences, what I've gone through and advocate of normalizing the craziness of it all so that the generations behind me don't have to feel as uncomfortable as I did or wear the masks that I did or the other uh, extra 120 pounds that I did because I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. I knew how to drink and eat for them. Eat for them. And the more I can talk about mental health and where, where, how, how I got there and where I am now, the more I can just open other people's eyes to self-evaluation and accountability. Cause I don't like, I don't think people should quit drinking. I don't think that people should quit eating. I think that it took a lot of accountability and uh, re- big self-reflection and learning how to do that for me to learn and grow every day. And if I just talking about our, that and our experiences, that's, I feel a responsibility to anybody that is feeling like a squeaky wheel. You spoke, you said a uh, great keyword there, normalizing. Uh, I think, I think my biggest, uh, growth point in my adult life was when I finally, or I had probably done this for a long time, but when I finally realized that I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about me. And I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he says, that's what I like about you is you just are you all the time. Even when you introduce yourself to people. Unapologetically. Just, just, 
uh, and this, this is a great, a great story. Um, my friend who passed away, uh, Fred, his first day at the unit, and I was going through a rough time. Uh, we were getting ready to go to Korea. Uh, it was my first time out of the country with the army. Uh, we're, we're getting ready. I'd just gotten hurt. I'm getting back, getting into the swing of things. Our guy in charge of us was, I would put him at a huge alcoholic. And anyway, so we get this new guy into the unit. His name's Fred. Uh, and that was my friend. And, uh, he comes into the unit in uniform. We're all in black workout uniform, PTs and short or shirts and shorts. And it's had to be nine in the morning. And he shows up all proper. He's coming from a regular army unit. And, and, and he tells us, he, well, he told this story much better than I do, but I'll, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it. And, uh, he's, he, he doesn't know who any of us are. He doesn't know our ranks. We're all in PTs. He doesn't know anything. He's being real proper and he's being real respectful. And, uh, I'm just a total me. And I, I go, Hey, can, can you run? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all right. Can you lift? You, you gotta be strong because we're fucking strong here. And that's all that matters. And he's looking at me and he's looking at Sergeant Major. He's like, is this guy for real? And, uh, and I go, ah, it doesn't fucking matter anyway. And I crack a Coors light and I hand it to him and I walk out the door. <laughs> and so I'm told he stands there. He stands there for a couple of minutes staring at it until I came back for another one a couple minutes later and said, you going to drink that or are you just going to stand there all day? And I grabbed another one and left. And that was his first impression of me. And we were the best of friends after that. Oh, and that's I just, wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people have that kind of impression of you. <laughs> kind of impression of me, a story of how they met Nick. You know, when I met you, you were a complete dick. Oh, no, thank you. That gets me right here. Nicholas, do you remember our birthday party a couple of years ago? Where Because Shane and I have birthdays in November, but we threw it in like August. And we were going to do a boat cruise. We had rented the boat, but the boat broke the night before. So we ended up having like an Americana, like pub crawl kind of thing. We ended up back at our house. I swear to fucking God, for five hours, Nick, you, you, it started from the beginning. Every single person. And at first you're like, hey, can I borrow five bucks? And like we were at a bar. So you were like playing the jukebox, whatever. That was me. Five hours later, you were just the same people. Same joke. Same joke. Five bucks I can borrow. I can't. Like, by the end, people were like, Anna, what is with your friend Nick? And I was like, did he ask you for $5? Like, I have known you since the beginning. So that shit is hysterical to me. But I am much like when people meet me the first time, I can be a lot and the joke doesn't relate. I said to Jane, I'm like, this is my absolute favorite thing is to watch people try to navigate Nick asking for $5 oh. every 20 minutes without being like, God, you're a dick. Yeah. And it's, it's socially rude to call me, you know, say I have some mental deficiency or anything like that. Cause I was normal. And then I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be normal anymore. I agree with that. But I mean, I love, I, I'll say it every time. Like I love labels because I want to know why things work the way they do it. I'm a black and white thinker. I think that between like the TBI and I, that is normal. Like at some point you just have to be like, I'm too tired to wear these fucking masks. I got 40 years of masks on and I'm done. Hey, I, I, and I like this joke. I mean, like, Hey, can I borrow five dollars? I, I, one of my girlfriends, I was like, 
listen, he is, he has got a little bit of a TBI. So sometimes he doesn't, he, he doesn't know when the joke ends. And I was like, and Shane's like, and I was like, he totally knows the joke is over. He don't. Trying to drive it home. <laughs> it, yeah, the trick, the thing about a joke is you have to tell it until it's not funny. And then 200 more times. Maybe, well, that 200th time is really when you know that the nails in the coffin. Yeah. I, you know, there was, you know, I remember we're on this long, stupid ruck march in the army and this sergeant kept saying only a quarter mile more. And I knew goddamn well that it was 20 some miles to go, but you know, we're five minutes, we're five minutes into the walk and he says, yeah, just a quarter mile more boys. He did right that for seven, seven hours. This guy's saying, oh, just a quarter mile more. That is what I would like to call is toxic positivity or just plain lying. But uh, as far as a motivator, that is not motivating for me. Yeah, uh, the motive, anger, anger, can, anger is motivation in that case. <laughs> I need to finish this yeah. march so I can kill this guy. Yeah, I need to be mad at the march, not mad at you, because I'm still going to be mad at you after the march is over. So. Um, well, I mean, I, after I watched some of these documentaries, Tyler's on a documentary kick, and so am I. Uh, it Did turns you watch? out everything's a scam. Uh, yeah. Um, ooh, will you will you send me a text when you let me know which documentaries you watch? Because I think I just watched Poisoned on Netflix, and it's about the food industry, and I have a food background. Very interesting. You should watch it so we can most, talk about it. Because most humans, I don't know if you know this, do have a food background. It is one of the essential things to our survival. Uh, okay. Oh, so everybody has that. Do they have produce specialist of 10 years listed on their resume? Because maybe yeah. that's the difference that I was trying to relate. Depends on if they have teeth or they have scurvy. Oh, Jesus. Come on, man. Um, anyway, watch Poisoned on Netflix because that was a really good one. In in this whole body health and treating the mind, body, soul, uh, mentally and physically, it is a very good one to watch. It's about foodborne illnesses, but it gives you a glimpse into the FDA and the USDA and how they do not communicate and they run two different things and they pass the buck along. But along that yes. lines of the documentaries and everything's a scam. <laughs> oh, yep. Government agencies not talking to one another. I think that's a different, no. a totally different podcast. Not not to be on mentally hungover. That's uh, uh, tinfoil hat confirmed or something like that. Oh yeah, we should do just an episode of conspiracy theories. I would totally be. I would be very interested to brainwalk that because there's nothing in the world that I love talking about than being in a simulation. And uh, what's the other thing? Oh, and the mandala effect. Oh, yeah. So butterfly flaps its wings in Chicago and it's felt in India. No, that's the butterfly effect, which I yeah, also same, enjoyed. Same, same the thing. Mandala, no, the mandala effect is mass amounts of people recalling history differently. Yeah, I know. So what's your final takeaway for today? Um. I don't know. I think that I truly want to make sure that we continue the conversation to be open, not only for ourselves and growing as humans, but also anybody else who's squeaky wheel out there, who's mentally hungover and needs to know that they're not alone. Like it doesn't matter if it's my, my experience, your experience. I think that the idea of everybody's plates are full, everybody's cups can get empty and normalizing talking about why your plate's a little full and being vulnerable enough to be accountable and to take in uh, advice. Like 
I want to see other people struggling moving forward. I don't want to necessarily see somebody who's already at the end saying, come on, just a quarter mile left. You can do it. Like I want to stand, I want to body double and stand next to somebody while we go through this. You and I are on very similar paths and levels. And I'm excited to see where that goes and to pick apart conversations. Pick apart conversations, maybe with an outline next time. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll be able to take this and jumble it together, and hopefully, we can deep dive apart. next time. Deep dive next time into something more serious than depression, alcohol, death, living in the service industry, and being unhappy. I mean, high tolerance, high tolerance to alcohol. Uh, do you remember? We didn't even get, I, we didn't even get into two two dollar Long Islands. We didn't even get touch on that. Two dollar, two dollar, two dollar green Long Islands that stained my bathtub after Tad puked in it. We didn't touch on the two dollar Long Islands. I remember something that pops into my head more than it should is remembering a night. I don't even know who I was drinking with. It was two customers and me. We were slow, and we were doing bear fights or food fights. Which one's the one with the three? A food fight is all three. I did seven of them. It's the equivalent of like 40 shots. Like the normalizing the trauma of that, like the $2 Long Islands I didn't drink. Doing seven rounds of that, three different shots, two of them are drop shots. Three, all three are drop shots. Like normalizing that, like really realizing how time I, how high my tolerance was and like, what was I doing? What was I avoiding? What was I running towards? Was I just having a good time or was I... It's it's a it's a never satisfied thing, is what it is. You go, oh well, we've got this, but how can we make it slightly better? Uh, I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember one shot that we we where somebody comes in and goes, oh, we 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 we've come up with a, a shot called a slap your mama. Okay, uh, interesting. Name. <laughs> let's let's talk about it. What do you got? Well, it's an ounce of. An ounce of Grand Marnier, or no, uh, uh, Chambord. It's an ounce of Chambord at the bottom. And okay, or all right, all right, I'm with you so far. What happens after that? An entire Long Island on top of that. Is that what oh. that is? And then it was topped off with Guinness, an inch of Guinness, all no ice. And you, you would just about? you would just shoot it. This was one shot. I drank a lot of that it. That had to have been in the military. No, this was at Dublin's. I might have just found another part of my life that <laughs> I didn't drink that. Might I wouldn't touch missing. those Long Islands with a beer straw. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think this has been another productive meeting. Yeah, Always I'm going to talk to you. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on our show. Thank you for coming on our show. As well, always, I, it's nice to have us. It is tough. It is tough to make time in the schedule, but I like to get out here when I have an appointment with you. Whenever I'm in town, you know, I like to stop by and see you, especially, you know. All right. Hopefully every episode is better than the last, but they can't all be better than the next one. So, Anna, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you. And we will continue on. Stop recording. And as you say, be good to yourselves, be good to each other. Yep.